Welcome to The Lorraine Murphy Show. If you're anything like me, you want a successful, abundant business, epic energy, a growth mindset, vibrant health, and beautiful relationships. And this podcast sets out to help us achieve all of that together. I've been in the entrepreneurship arena for almost a decade now and have mentored hundreds of other business owners. So I know what goes on behind the scenes and what it takes to succeed. This podcast shares the tips, tricks, learnings, and lessons I lean on in order to blend the different facets of my life as an entrepreneur, author, wife, and mama to two gorgeous little humans. Let's jump in to today's episode. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of The Lorraine Murphy Show. If I'm sounding a little bit croaky, it's because our household was visited with the wonder that was influenza A for the last week. So I am still in recovery from that whole experience. Hashtag not fun. And But speaking of hashtags, I am very excited for this week's guest. My guest is Brooke Vulanovic, who is an Instagram specialist, international keynote speaker and creator of the Global Social Club Membership and Academy. I connected with Brooke quite a few years ago now. She read my third book, Baby You're Remarkable, and we've stayed connected since then. And I've always loved how she shows up so energetically and so consistently for her community. So I was super keen to have her on the show. And what I didn't actually expect from our conversation was the potency of what she shares about her own business journey. There are so many lessons to be learned from this conversation. In our conversation, we cover her experience of imposter syndrome and how she navigated it, how she went from saying yes to everything to narrowing her offer down to just three products, the importance of stubbornness in business. I loved her point around this. And I'm such a nerd for this kind of thing, how she structures her week day by day, including Money Making Monday, the three biggest mistakes she made in the early days of her membership model, the loss of her sister and how that changed her perspective on business and also on life, the team structure and systems she uses to support the business, and of course, her top tips for business owners to get the very most out of Instagram. I am so excited to bring you this conversation. I really, really loved talking to Brooke and absorbing all of, as I said, the, the, the lessons that she was so generous in sharing. And uh, I actually interviewed her while I was in Bali last month. So yes, feeling a lot more energized than I am right now as I'm actually recording the intro for the episode. So yeah, let's bring on myself and Brooke's conversation. Hello, my dear Brooke. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I am honored to be You're here. You're honored. Oh, thank you. And I just realized um, that we're actually pretty close to each other right now because I'm in Bali and you're in Perth. So is yes. there like what a two-hour flight or something ridiculous between Perth and Bali? Three hours. Three-hour flight, but same time zone. So we're basically oh, together. The same. Yeah, yeah. We are basically together. <laughs> I think Basically. if I was a three-hour <laughs> flight from Bali, I would be here every five seconds. So that's probably a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <Not that laughs> oh, thanks for coming on today. I know, as I was saying to you just before we hit record, you are the queen of, of social media, particularly Instagram. And But I'd love to talk today more kind of the broader scope of your career and, and particularly how you've built a membership business, because I know it's a, a pipe dream of a lot of entrepreneurs to, to build a membership model. And I'd love to, yeah, look, look onto the hub. This is the behind the scenes season for my show. So I'd love to yeah, have, have a little look at the hardest at what that looks like and what it's taking you to build it, if that's okay. Awesome. I would love to share that. Amazing. Now, I actually don't know the answer to this first kind of talking pointer question. Can you give us a bit of like an orientation on you, you and your business and your career to date and how you got to where you're, you're sitting now? So totally accidentally, uh, I started in the small business world as actually teaching events. Yes. Uh, sorry, not teaching events, managing events and running yes. events um, because that was my background from my last job. Yeah. And I was using social media because I had no money. So I was using social media to tell the world that I existed as an event business and also sell tickets to the events that I was organizing. So I was doing that over here. And then I had a girlfriend who saw me leave my last job. And she was like, I want to do what you're doing. I want to start my own business. Will you help me? And I said, sure, what do you want to do? And she said, I've got no idea. But do you want to go in 50-50 on the business? And I said, sure, because I was on this yes strategy to life. Yes. And um, yes. 
we we decided that we were going to start a online sunglasses store. So while we were getting the orders in and finding the good suppliers and whatnot, I started building an audience on Instagram for the store. And within six months, we gathered about 13,000 followers on Instagram. And so when we launched the store, all the stock sold out. I went to a networking event and everyone was talking about their struggles in business and everyone said social media and I felt Mm. like my brain exploded. (laughs) Um, because you know, when you're just in your lane doing your thing and you kind of have your blinkers on and you just have no idea actually what's going on in the rest of the world. Yes. Um, And so the other ladies at the event said, well, you know, who's your, who's doing your social media for the store? Cause this was seven years ago. So people weren't teaching social media seven years ago. It's another world. Yeah. It was another world. And they said, can you show us? Cause I said, I'm doing it myself. And they said, can you show us how to do what you're doing? And I thought, yeah, sure. Like it's, it's not that difficult, but come over to my apartment. Honestly, if you can run a business, you can run your social media. So I started teaching these little social media um, workshops just from my apartment. That's very cute. It's like a little cottage industry, an apartment industry. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It was so crazy. And then the word started to spread about how easy it could be to run your own social media. And I was getting inquiries constantly from people. And then I got an email through from Mazda and to come in and, and teach for them, teach in in their WA office. And I was like, this can't be real. So I just deleted it. And then about two weeks later, I got another email saying, hi, Brooke, I'm just checking you received this email. And I thought, holy shit, I think this is real. And it was really from that point onwards that I started taking social media seriously in that I, I originally, I thought I'm just showing a few people how to use Instagram and in six months time, like everyone will know what they're doing and I've just got to enjoy this while it lasts. And it was when I got that inquiry through that for me was the maybe this is maybe this is something. Mm. Maybe I could actually turn this into a business. And that was almost seven years ago. Amazing, amazing. So good. So tell me, what does the business look like now? Like if you were to kind of just sketch it out on a whiteboard over. So the business now looks like the Social Club membership, which is my online training uh, and education community. I also do keynote speaking uh, and a lot of presenting. And I also do Instagram audits. So I go into business Instagram accounts and find basically all the reasons why they're not making sales or how to make more sales and get more inquiries through their Instagram. So that's the three services three things. I now yep. offer. Yeah. Nice. Seven years and later. Seven years later. <laughs> I know. So can I actually dive into that? Because I've, I've heard you speak and about the fact that you, you, you already touched on your yes strategy where you just said yes to anything and everything. And then what happened then is you had like, shit loads of projects and you there wasn't the clarity can you just talk us through that process because I think that's something I know I've just gone through that again in this as in in this business I've experienced it in the past at my first business can you just talk through the the thought process like when did you get to the point where you're like okay there's just too much on my plate right now like what was that tipping point to that that straw that broke the camel's back almost Ah, I was exhausted. My Mm. husband at the time, when I started my business, my husband was FIFO. So FIFO is, because there's such a big mining industry in WA and WA is very big, um, a lot of the tradies will work up north in the mines. So they fly in, fly out of work. And he would be gone for like three, sometimes four weeks at a time. So I would just work. Like work, 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 because I had nothing yeah. else to do. Yeah, and there's and no um, there's no circuit breaker. I, I have that experience now, not so much now with kids, but before we had kids, and if Lex, if, sorry, if Wade was going to be away, that you just yeah, you keep going because there's no one to come home and pull you out of that work mode. You're just in it. Totally, yeah. totally, totally just get it. In it. And what I would do is I would work when Dom was away, and then when Dom was home, I would take that time off. And it got to the point that the business was growing so rapidly, and I had so much on that when he would come home, I couldn't take that time off. Mm. And that for me was the real catalyst of, well, hang on a minute. I started a business to have flexibility and freedom, and my husband's home for 48 hours, and I can't spend any time with him. And then I'm not going to see him again for three weeks. Like, that's 
that's not why I started this. So that for me was the tipping point. Yeah. Okay. So what did you do? Step us through. Um, It sounds really simple, but I got a piece of paper and a pen and I wrote down every single one of my services. I actually still have the photo where I mapped it all out and I had 16 different services on the go. And I thought, all right, which ones do I enjoy? Which ones am I so excited to do? I'm going to highlight the top three. Great place to start. Yeah. And I'm going to get rid of the rest. And the thing that I was most excited to do was the cheapest service that I had on offer. So I had services ranging from $29 to $6,000. And I scrapped everything and went full steam on the $29 service. But I didn't realize that was the the membership, was it? That was the membership. I didn't realize the power of, because remember, when I started a membership, memberships weren't a thing. No Mm. one, no one, like there were gym memberships and that's probably about it. They weren't really Mm. memberships in business. Um, So I didn't start it as this is a great way to scale my business and reach a global audience. Um, And I just didn't see the power in it. And when I was pulling everything back to focus on it, I honestly thought this is probably going to blow up in my face. It seems really silly, but I'm just not enjoying doing the other things. This is what I enjoy. Surely if I can give a hundred percent on something I enjoy, I can make it grow. And it grew. <laughs> that is such a quite cool significantly. story. I love that. Yeah, quite so significantly. And everything else. And that's, and were you doing the audits back then as well? Uh, yes, but I was doing them in a different way to how right. I do them now. Got it. That's amazing. Love, 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 love. <laughs> yeah, and tell crazy, me, what is hey? the social What is the social club community? Can you give us a snapshot of that as well? Oh, my God. The social club community is my first baby. So I now have a human baby as well. But yes. um, my first baby, the social club. So it began because business owners were attending my workshops and they would come and they'd sit through a three-hour workshop and then they'd leave and Instagram would hit us with an update and they'd contact me and say, should I come back and repeat the workshop because I need to learn this thing? And I thought, well, it's a waste of your time to repeat an entire three hours or five-minute segment. And also it's a waste of your money to pay that entire amount again. And I knew there needed to be a way I could stay in communication with them and let them know any new updates um, that dropped and also how to use them in their business. And that's why I created the membership. Mm. So it happened very organically. Um, I made a lot of mistakes along the way. Uh, And then all of a sudden, you know, I got my first member from over east. And then I got a member from my first member internationally was from Germany. And I remember thinking, wow, like I I can reach and work with business owners all over the world now, not just in Perth, because previous to that, all my clients were in Perth. But obviously, that limits me to just the business owners in Perth. And yeah, over the years, we've had almost 3,000 businesses through the membership. Well pretty done, crazy. my dear. That is yeah. huge. Well yeah, done. From 34 countries as well, which is yeah. wild. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. So tell us, what are, what are the three biggest learnings when you said you'd made lots of mistakes? What, what, what do you see as the kind of three biggest mistakes and, and how did you rectify them? <laughs> I love hearing, hearing about um, <laughs> Biggest financial mistake was when I started the membership, I was not registered for GST. So um, when I then hit that threshold, which I think back then was about 70 grand, when I then hit that threshold, the membership was still quite small. I didn't have that many members and I just absorbed it into the pricing. But as I pulled back the other services and as the membership started to grow, um, the amount I was handing over to the tax office started to become quite substantial. And it was something that I just kept putting off and putting off and putting off until I was basically handing over like a hundred grand a year, which is a lot of money. And thinking, like, I have no issue about paying tax and living, you know, to allow the lifestyle we lead. But when it's just you that's created this dream from your one-bedroom apartment and you would like to maybe move into a two-bedroom apartment and you can't, <laughs> you're giving all this money to the tax office, you start thinking, hang on a minute, I need to do something about this. So 
I basically had to, yeah, it it was a pain. It was a pain because the membership was really big then. And if I'd just done it when I first registered for GST, it would not have been that much of an issue. So that's definitely the thing I wish I'd done sooner. Um, Sorry, my dear, can I just get really clear? So what, what did you need to do? Did you need to change the pricing of your model in order to fix that? Yeah, so you need yeah. to increase your prices to adjust for the GST that you're paying. Okay, got it, cool. Sorry, go on, what was your next one? More yeah. mistakes. <laughs> um, I wish that I had started the Social Club Community Instagram sooner. So because when I started teaching my social media workshops, I actually was still running, remember how I told you about the event business? Mm-hmm. So I was running everything under that business, which was called Villa Management because that's a whole nother story. Anyway, um, I started teaching the social media workshops and I just kept, because I didn't, I had massive imposter syndrome and I just didn't believe that A, I was good enough or B, it, the business would take off or C, I just didn't think people would need more social media training. I, I honestly thought everyone will know what they're doing soon. So I kept running everything under Villa Management but because it had nothing to do with social media, there was a really big detachment of mm. what the, 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 you know, just like the why and the mission and it, nothing aligned. Yeah, and yeah. I do think that was at a disservice to the growth of the business initially. Mm. I think that if I had believed in myself a little more um, and, and started a, a business and an Instagram account and essentially started a brand mm. under what I was doing rather than holding myself back. Um, the business could have grown a lot bigger earlier on because the messaging made sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? What I'm trying makes to say? Total sense. I absolutely get it. I'm working with a, one of my mentees in the very same thing at the moment. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. Anything else? Have you got one more for us? Um, yes, I do. What was it? I was just thinking about it. Oh, okay, here's a really big mistake that I made. I listened to some bad advice and I listened to... So what I used to do is when the membership hit membership milestones, I would throw membership parties. So I threw a 100 members party, I threw a 300 members party, I threw a 500 members party and that kept the momentum going. And I think, you know, that constant celebration and giving back to my members is what helped it grow. And then I listened to some advice that said to me, basically, like, kind of, aren't you showing off constantly going on about how many customers you have? And it really got in my head and I thought, oh, maybe I am. Like, that's not how I want to look. I I don't want to be perceived as showing, being shown. That's not really me, you know? Yeah. And so I started, I, I stopped talking about it. I stopped talking about the growth of the membership. I stopped doing everything that I had previously been doing to grow the membership. And so what happened? The membership flatlined. And that was a really hard lesson to learn. And I still to this day think if I hadn't done that, would it have grown bigger? Mm. But you don't know what you don't know. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you. I think Mm. it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I um. When I just started speaking, so Jack Delosa, who's the founder of the Entourage, trained me to speak. And I was going on, on, on a tour with them, basically. We're doing five states in 10 days or something. And I was going to be speaking every afternoon for three hours on stage without notes. So I was cacking myself. Like I was so, I was really, really, really nervous just to, when I started public speaking. And part of kind of the 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 structure of my talk was to talk about the different achievements that I had had as part of my first business so the awards and the multi-million dollars of revenue and the the profile and the the, the brands that we got to work with and I remember when I was doing my rehearsal with him for the very first kind of talk and I was talking in a doing like in the meeting room with the entourage office at the time in the city and I just felt really awkward and I just said like this just feels gross. I feel so arrogant right now. Like it's not, I don't, I don't feel good. And, and he said, you know what, if you're, if you're not an arrogant person, it's impossible for you to come across as being arrogant. Like it's just not in you. And, and I, I still think about that advice today because it was so good for me to trust that if I'm going to share an achievement that it's coming from a really authentic, hopefully humble place Mm. and I feel like that's how you would have been navigating it as well and what I love about what you were doing with the parties 
is that you made the community front and center. It wasn't like Brooke's party. It was for them. Like the, yeah. the dynamics of it were coming from a really humble, um, what am I saying? Altruistic place. Yeah. And it was a suggestion of the members because mm. I used to do weekly lives in the membership. And I remember when we'd almost reached a hundred members and on the live, I was like, guys, guess what? Oh my God, there's almost a hundred members. And some people started commenting like, oh my God, we should have a party. We need to celebrate. And that's how it all came up. It wasn't me being like, everyone look at me. I've got a hundred members. It was, yeah. yes, let's all get together and celebrate because your yes. businesses are growing and this is awesome. And, you know, as business owners, we often don't get out a lot and it's mm. nice to just <laughs> meet up and chat to other people. So it, it did it's come so from true. an authentic place. Yeah, um, like but, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. 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 And, and, and you learn, you know, and, and I'm sure yeah, you, you, you've implemented, acted on those learning since. You touched on imposter syndrome, and I'd really love to talk to you about that because I think it's something that it's almost like a universal problem, I think. But I do think that women feel the burn of it a lot more. I feel like women let themselves get um, get sucked into it a lot more, maybe. So what was your ex- ex- experience of imposter syndrome? Oh, how much time we got yeah. <laughs> today, <laughs> like in the last hour? Um, <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? It never goes away. <laughs> right so I dropped out of uni I also dropped out of TAFE for the record and I just felt like because I dropped out of uni and I didn't have a marketing degree who was I to start a business teaching Mm -hmm. essentially marketing how would I walk into a room of experts or you know walk into a, a corporate boardroom and actually one time I taught to um, an entire boardroom of orthopedic surgeons, how would I walk in and expect them to respect me if I didn't have a piece of paper stamped to say I went to an institution for three years? Mm. And it really played on my mind a lot that I just wasn't good enough. And, I mean, it still to this day plays on my mind until someone said to me, doesn't your assistant have a PR degree? And I was like, huh. okay so people on my team actually want to work for me and they went to uni knowing I didn't and that was a really like mind-blowing moment yeah paradigm shift that makes sense yeah 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 and I just I think it's something that I'll forever struggle with because of my own self-doubts and Mm. I was reading something really interesting um, in a book the other day by um, Kate Christie called uh, the book's Me First and she was talking about how because like I'm a relatively new mum so I have an 11 month old and she talked about the crossover for working mums when you're constantly doubting yourself in motherhood and how that naturally just actually seeps into your working role as well and it's so true because you are constantly doubting yourself in motherhood and if you're not you've got someone telling you you're doing something wrong constantly Mm. and then that does shift into all the other areas of your life so I mean I look to people like yourself and other women in business who are really honest about their journeys with imposter syndrome and what you've had to do um, Mm. to get through it and I guess like anything when you read or hear or learn about somebody else that's experienced it you think oh well they did it yeah yeah and it's not just me you know I'm not this weird freak living in my cave with this this issue that no one else is experiencing so how did you get out of it like when you you were really feeling the burn of it (sighs) so I was honestly I was on this yes strategy Yes. Um, yes. And I, thought, <laughs> I say yes. yes when you say it. Yes. So when I started my business, my husband's, well, when I quit my last job, my husband said to me, look, I've watched you for however long we've been together at that pace. But well, he was my boyfriend back then. And he said, I'll give you 12 months. You go out, do whatever you want. I'll cover the bills, which I'm forever grateful for. And if in 12 months time, you can't make this business thing work, then go get another job. But he said, if you go get another job now, you're going to end up in the exact same position in 10 years' time. And so that's why I thought I've got Wise this headline. man. I know. 
He's pretty yeah. wise and yeah. he's pretty sexy. Um, I thought I've got this deadline. I've got 12 months to make this work and I've got no clue what I'm doing and it probably will blow up in my face. So I'm just going to say yes to every single opportunity that comes up in the next 12 months and just see where that leads me because when I quit my last job, I was in a pretty rock-bottom place. Um, I just felt like no one will hire me. I've got no official qualifications. I'm not passionate about anything. And I figured there was, there was only one way to go and that was yeah. up. So that was my yes strategy and it worked. <laughs> I love that. Love that. And it, it almost um I like the yes strategy because it takes the it takes the decisions out of it. Like there's no will I, won't I. It's just like well, it's a yes. It just has to be a yes, and you and you yeah. run with that. Yeah, so Absolutely. good. Love that. <laughs> um, can we come back to the membership model? Because I think you know you you really you were the you were one of the pioneers of membership models. As you said, you had a gym membership back then, but that was that is. Yeah. Whereas now, you know, it's quite common to be a member of you know one or two or three, even four or five different things at a time, and. Um, how have you so when did you actually start the membership part of it that wasn't that was less than seven years ago wasn't it yeah the membership will be five this year so like four and a half years ago yeah same same age as Lexi bless and <laughs> so when you started I mean that's quite a long time to keep the excitement and the momentum mm. and also the retention going with it within the group how, how have you navigated that how have you kept it fresh have you kept the spark alive do you think for you and for members so when I initially started the membership, there was only one level of membership and everyone got the same thing. And I had this whole idea that I didn't want to tear it. I didn't want to have like VIP members because inclusivity was really important to me. I, I wanted the membership to be uh, equal for everyone and a place where everyone felt safe and on the same level. And then over the years, what I started to learn, because I do survey the members regularly, what I started to learn was you know, people are at very different stages in business. People are at different stages. Perhaps they're rebranding, starting a new business and and what they want out of education because also we're in a time, like you said, there's memberships everywhere mm. and there's information overwhelm now, 100%. especially yeah. in the business world. So um, over the years, what I've done is I've actually managed to tier it naturally so that different members have a different experience and it's more about what they want out of the membership rather than tearing them um, vertically in like a hierarchy. It's more of a horizontal experience, but take what you need depending on where you're at in business. So that's managed to keep it quite fresh, uh, fresh and fun. Um, and then I just try and stay as, as aware as possible of what people are asking for. Like I don't just survey to survey. I survey because I genuinely want to mm -hmm. know what do you like? What don't you like? What do you want more of? What do you want less of? And then I just adapt it accordingly. Like if you genuinely listen to your customers, it's not that hard to make your business work for you and for mm -hmm. them. But I think a lot of business owners you know, as they grow, they become out here and they become unreachable and untouchable and they completely lose that connection with their customer because they've got teams and so many people working for them. And then they get so focused on what they think people want instead of just asking what people want and listening and delivering. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You make it sound so simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm not a genius in any way, shape or form, but I'm good at listening. So yeah, I so think powerful. if I continue to listen to my customer and just meet their needs and if their needs aren't being met, find out why. Is there a service that I can create or is there a way to adapt my current service so that their needs are met and then just do it. Mm, Don't be love. stubborn. You know yeah, I mean? yes, yes. Don't be stubborn in business because that's a quick fire way to probably bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so key. I love, love that point you've just made. Thank you about the stubbornness. And, mm. and what kind of teams, so you mentioned you've got an assistant. So what kind mm. of team structure have you got around you to, to make the membership happen? 
So this has taken a long time and I'm a little bit of a control freak. Yes, this was quite difficult for me, but um, I went through something pretty terrible, not last year, the year before. My sister got really sick and um, eventually she passed away. And Oh, Brock, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's okay. It's, you know, oh it gosh. is what it is. But I was really forced to get help then. And and it sounds so weird to say, but that's really when I built my team because I just couldn't do it all myself anymore. Mm. Um, so people always say, you know, well, how do I, how do I make that leap into, into outsourcing? Well, for me, the decision was kind of made by the world. It was out of your hands. Yeah. Yeah, it was out of my hands. Um, but I had an assistant at the time and she took on a lot more work. So at the time she was only doing a couple of hours a week and now she's full time and she is just, Taylor is my everything. Um, I cannot get enough of her. The only thing that would make her better is if there were two of her. So now her <laughs> sister works for us too. I love and I'm it. like, does your mum need a job? Is there anyone else in your family? I want your jeans. Job? <laughs> literally um and then I also have a VA as well then I also have a graphic designer um so Taylor's sister she does a lot of the like um because we do quite a lot of events that obviously yeah. went on hold during COVID but they're back up now so she does a lot of the running around for the events and then I'm also just about to hire a reels coach so that will make it a team of six, Is that six? Nice one. yeah but how funny that a reels coach is a, jo- is a job like the world right. honestly five years ago we would never have thought about that that's even a year ago maybe well no you're right to say five years ago because when I first launched the membership the way that I saw it in the future was that there'd be multiple coaches teaching in it and not just me because I don't know everything right mm. but as it's grown and evolved I couldn't actually work out how that would fit um, and I've always been very authentic in that I teach what I do. And my whole business is just teaching what I do. And Reels is not something that I have used to grow my business because Reels are new. So I mm. thought, how do I authentically continue to teach Reels when I haven't used them to grow? So I now need to bring someone in who's actually used Reels to grow, to teach, to keep the values of the business as authentic as possible and it just feels right so that's why I'm doing it seriously cred to you because I think it would be so easy just to say yeah I can do this I can teach it and just go do you know do your own little crash course on it like I really admire mm. your integrity in that and that's amazing Thank you. and also I think it gives you a scalable model going forward that you don't need to be you know the 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 what am I saying the oracle of everything social you can mm. tap into specialists um but then you're always you're you're like the curator, you're the glue that brings it all together. Ultimately, I love that. Good on you. It's a really Thank nice you. decision. I love it. Um, now tell me the I want I want to switch switch tacks a little bit into your okay. speaking of the guru, the oracle. Yes. <laughs> what is if you could kind of like distill down into like one tip or trick or hack or piece of advice? For someone to really nail Instagram, what's what's your what would your one your, your almost like your golden nugget of advice be? Know your customer and mm-hmm. always speak just to them. Imagine that every time you are creating a, a post, you're actually sending a text message to the customer. So, what that would they find good. valuable? That is so good. <laughs> yeah, because when you see it as a text message. You create it as one-to-one. And even though social media does give you that ability to speak one-to-many and have a following, it's still one person at the mm-hmm. end of that post consuming it. Yeah. And if you can talk like you're talking to a friend, talking to a customer, provide them valuable content that they're going to find interesting and inspiring and useful that's when you're going to grow because that's when you're going to start attracting customers to your account and having conversations with them, which text messaging is is conversing. It's not, yeah. um, it's not it's a microphone. Intimate. It's intimate. And you will treat them like a real person. And at the end of the day, every customer just wants to be treated like a human being, not a dollar sign. So the sooner you can do that, the faster you're going to get results for your account. 
and your business. Yeah. yeah. Love, love. Okay. That's so good. So know the customer and yeah, send them text messages. Send them text messages. Yes. <laughs> Basically. Um, okay. So can we switch tack again? I feel like I've, like I've got your entrepreneurial journey and I want to kind of start bouncing around a little bit. <laughs> so you and I have very, very similar age little boys. And I actually really love because when you first, um, when we first got in touch, you got in touch with me because you had read Baby Remarkable. So my yes. third book. And you messaged me saying, like, I'm running quite a big business and I'm so sick of, I still remember what you said. I said, I'm so sick of people telling me that, you know, the 555,000 person that I can't run my business, I won't be able to run my business when I've got a child. Um, and you said, I, I think you kind of said I had counterbalanced that perspective or something. Mm-hmm. And then since then, you obviously have had, had your little boy, Carlo. So what has that transition been like for you? Because you oh. were running your business for six years before he was born. Am I right? Yes. So he yeah. was planned. Um, and at the time I was doing a lot of live in my business. So the membership I used to, <laughs> I did a live every Wednesday at 9.30 for three years straight. I even did a live Don't on say my that, And you did a live every what? Every Wednesday at 9.30 a.m. for three years straight. So I did a live on my honeymoon. Actually, I think I did two. I did one at my wedding venue, like you name it, I did it. I committed to showing wow. up. Wow, fair yeah. play. <laughs> and um, I I felt like at that time I had shown people that I'm here, I'm committed, I've got you, but I'm probably going to go into labour at 9.30 a.m. on a Wednesday morning and you probably don't want to be there for that. So <laughs> that is where I decided. I just dropped to... my AirPods. Sorry, that was that, that oh, was put off for you. That's all right. You're making you me laugh it? too hard. No, when I <laughs> laugh too hard, they pop out. So that's what happened. <laughs> so um, that's when I made the call that look, uh, I love you, my members, but I now need to make this business work for me. Um, and you'll still get the value, but it will be pre-recorded now. So that was something that was able to help me um, work more on my time and work around what suited me. And, you know, it's just been ongoing. Like Carlo was a dream at the start. So I was prepared for the absolute worst because everyone told me. Tells you it's going to be awful. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So I basically prepared to take 12 weeks off. I ended up only taking five days because all Carlo did was eat and sleep and it was the longest five days I'd had off since starting my business. So I just <laughs> went into like like idea overload and I was feeling so like creative and it was probably the hormones and breastfeeding and all that. Um, but I ended up going back after five days and then I got to about the six-month mark and Carlo stopped sleeping. And that's when it got hard because I was. You mean like much, sleeping during the day, at night, just at all? Um, pretty much everything. He was waking up at night every forty-five minutes, and before that, he'd slept from 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 when Carlo was about maybe eight weeks. He started sleeping through the night to the point that we would wake him up in the morning because I would miss him, and I'd be like, mm. "Hey, baby, hang out with me." Um, so at that six month mark, that's when it got quite challenging because I was full oh, steam. That's torturous. Mm. Oh. And I also got gastro and I also had, um, the Christmas party that week. And that, that was, that was a rough week, but I fit into my dress. So yeah. <laughs> that's the bonuses. <laughs> you, win, you win some, you lose some. Um, yeah. and since then it's just been, I've, I've found as someone only 11 months in, but about every three months, they make a significant enough change to the way you have to operate. That's what I've found personally. Interesting. Give me an example. Um, so well, the sleep in, one, I mean, that's one. Yeah. That's huge. That was one. Yeah. Um, dropping day naps and just wanting, being more aware and wanting your attention more. Like mm. I remember, I remember previous to having Carlo, some of the clients that I would work with that were mums were like, well, sometimes I can't even send a text message. And I remember thinking, what do you mean? What do you, mean <laughs> you can't send a text message. I get that now. And I eat my words mm. because this is, isn't it incredible that all they want is your undivided attention? That's all they want. They're the world, but, their absolute world. But that's 
when you're a, a mum working from home, it's almost impossible to give them mm. that. So um, I had a few check myself moments where I thought, all right, I can send him to daycare. And we went and looked at a bunch of daycares. I can get a nanny. And then I thought, well, I don't want a stranger actually in my house. And there's no one that I actually know and trust. And then I had an even bigger checkpoint where I just thought, what am I doing? I've spent the past seven years building up a business so that I could work from home and be present with my family. And I'm trying to now outsource that so that I can work more. What am I doing? And I just thought, all right, I had a chat with Dom. He decided to drop one day of work a week. So now Monday, uh, because I was listening, reading your book, listening to your podcast with um, Tracy from Mums with Hustle, and you both talked about this idea of day blocking. And that blew my Mm. mind because up until that point, I'd run my entire business time blocking. And I could because it was just me and I could do whatever I wanted whenever I wanted to. Mm. Um, And I tried to do that when I had Carlo and you know, that's a a real quick road to hell when you have a baby trying to time block your days. And you both talked about this idea of day blocking your weeks. And oh my God, that changed the game for me. So for the first time in my business, I had to have set tasks on certain days. And I was able to chat with my husband and make a plan around what I needed to do on what days and what he could help me with. And that's now how my week looks. So Monday's my really big work day where he looks after Carlo and I do like a 14-hour day and smash out everything because when I do it at the start of the week, even if I do nothing then for the rest of the week, I feel Uh, like I've achieved something. Yes. It's so funny you say that because I just – the. I'm talking to you in the afternoon and at lunchtime I had my monthly masterclass with my Bold Darling group and this month we're talking about systems and organization. So in my session I was talking about the three kind of three biggest uh, strategies that, that I recommend to my mentees and something I was talking to, uh, one of the last one was around designing your perfect week and how you want you, sorry, the second one was how, how you want your week to run. And I talked about the importance of Monday momentum for the exact reason that you say, you know, if the absolute wheels fall off everything else on Tuesday morning, you're safe in the knowledge that you've done the most key proactive things that you need to get done. So yeah, fully agree. It's huge. Yes. I love that. So that's my Monday and I do, I call it money making Monday. So I do all my money making (laughs) tasks on a Monday and they are done. Then on a Tuesday, my assistant. Sorry, my dear, can I just pause you? But what is an example of a money making? What would you do on a money making Monday? Uh, So that's when I do my audits because they make me money. And that's when I do uh, my videos for the social club. So the training videos, because that's how the social club works. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If I didn't do that, it wouldn't make money. Um, And that's when I do my meetings with my manager to talk about, you know, keynote appearances or anything that I'm doing again, that's making me money. So that's money making Monday. Love, love. And then just, uh, just the, I, I get, I, I like the logistics of this. So you do fourteen hour days. So what does that mean? What time do you get off that on your money making Mondays? Uh so Carlo gets up oof, anything from like four thirty to. Oh dear. Yeah, it's normally around five. If he sleeps until six, I'm like, is he okay? Is he breathing? Is oh, everyone wow. alright? That's an early on? start. <laughs> but my husband was a tradie or is a tradie. So he gets up really early anyway. So mm. it's fine. Like I like getting up early and diving yeah, into too. things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the day begins and I have my whiteboard where I just write out every single thing that I need to get done that day. And if I've got meetings or podcasts or anything like that, then my other work has to work all around that and then I normally wrap up about six seven o'clock okay so you're in your you're in, at your desk at what time on your money making Monday oh 5 30 5 30 and then you're straight through till 6 37 yeah yeah I love that and I'm happy to do that and you probably it get done in three me. yeah I, I would I would really enjoy that it would actually right. feel like a luxury just to be so single-minded for an entire day yeah and yeah. so focused and mm. I think when you're like having a baby, you're constantly interrupted. I've come to learn. And oh, when you have a whole wait day, till wait till he's almost five. Oh my god! Wait Next till there's multiple. Oh my god! I don't know how you do multiple children, but that's a podcast for another day. Um, but 
I, I love knowing that I've got an entire day where I'm not going to get interrupted and I can just smash through my work. So I get excited for Mondays. I, I love it. Mondays. Totally get it. So yeah. that's my Mondays. And that's then great. Tuesdays, business development. So that's when my assistant comes over and um, I'm in a few different masterminds and doing courses. And we do basically all of that on a Tuesday uh, together. And then Wednesday can be my optional day off. Uh, depending where I'm at with Carlo. Sometimes after Monday and Tuesday, he kind of needs a mummy day on yeah. Wednesday. He's just a bit needy on a Wednesday. So um, if I can, I'll just take the day off and spend the day with him. And then Thursday, Friday, um, Thursday, I will work in Carlo's naps. So i got to be pretty productive in that everything in the house is done. So the second he goes to sleep, I'm in my office. That's such a killer when you're like eating into nap time with like oh, isn't it? Washer or something. <laughs> so yes. And I then they wake up early and you're like, I didn't even get my work done. I didn't yes. even start it. Yes, yes. So um, I try and be super organized so that, yeah, the second he goes down, I can be as productive as possible. And best case scenario, over the course of the day, I might get three and a half hours. Worst case scenario, I might get an hour and a half. So Thursdays are always a bit. We just see. You can't can't count on them, which is the other reason I think that I I love your your money-making Mondays because um, if if Thursday doesn't happen or, you know, Wednesday doesn't, matter as much because you've done all your proactive stuff yes and then Fridays my mum comes over and watches Carlo and Friday's my like leftover day yeah so anything I didn't get done on Monday or anything else that's come out like come up throughout the week that's what I do on a Friday um or like any meetings that I've got to have or whatever yes and that's my week and then I don't work on the weekend it's really important to me to have weekends off because as my family time and I don't mm. go on social media on weekends. I don't post on weekends. Um, and I also think it's important for me to show my customers that you don't have to be on social media 24 hours a day, seven days a week to grow your business. Mm. Um, and I've managed to grow mine from doing that. I've done that from the very beginning. I wanted weekends off because ever since I started working when I was 13, I worked on weekends mm. and social media for me is work. So I want to tap out. I want to be present. I've really quickly come to learn over the last 11 months that success for me no no longer looks like money. Success to me looks like being able to be present with my family and my friends and not feel guilty and not feel stressed about something that isn't being done. And that means more to me than anything now. So Mm -hmm. that's like at the top of my, um, I guess, guess, uh, non-negotiables for business so if you see me working on the weekend shit's gone down <laughs> yeah something's gone wrong in the matrix <laughs> yeah yeah something's I gone really wrong love in a the quote matrix from um, the, the fashion designer tom ford that i saw years ago and he said today the ultimate luxuries are silence and time i think that's oh, so true that's so the ultimate true. and you know you know when you talk about your your money making monday like that's such a luxury like to have the silence mm. you just do it and the yes. time <laughs> Yeah, focus. It is. Yeah. And I look back and think, 11 months ago, you could do this every day. But we didn't appreciate it, Brooke. That's the difference. Oh my God. <laughs> every day I could have done this. What was I yeah. doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Uh, now, I'm really, really excited for your Euro plans. So, <gasps> Thank you. can you tell us what's going on? I'm really fascinated to follow this next chapter for you. <gasps> What's going on? So my husband and I are building a house and it's taking a really long time because the building industry in WA is a mess. And we both have fathers that are actually from Croatia. Well, my dad's Yugoslav, but that doesn't exist anymore. My husband's father's in Croatia and we're very lucky to have access to a family house in Croatia. And we always joked that if our house wasn't ready, we'd just move to Croatia. And we kind of laughed about it. And we were like, ha-ha, that'd be funny. And then um, a couple of months ago, I woke up in the morning and Dom said to me, we're booked. And I remember thinking, we're booked like for, di- for dinner? What are you talking about booked? And he's like, I booked our flights. We go to Croatia on the 22nd of June. And he did that. Oh, my mm, God. But do you know what, Lorraine? I've had a pretty heavy last few years. I know everyone has. Um, And they've been, you know, I've experienced both birth and death. I almost lost my business during COVID. Like my husband, it was just the past three years behind the scenes have been messy. 
And in that moment, I feel like I lost about 50 kilos of weight on my shoulders that I had no idea I had decisions like that, isn't there? You just make them and it's like, Mm. yeah, I knew it was right. And Mm. I have clients in Europe. So I've got 68 members across um, Europe and the UK. So I thought, let's go to Europe. Let's build the brand in Europe. Let's meet some of the Let's, there's incredible marketing conferences over there. So I'm pitching to speak at quite a few of those. And let's go have an adventure while we can. And and ever since I ever since I went through the experience with my sister, so my motto used to always be you do you. And it is still very strongly you do you. I think in business, you can create a business that you love. And on mm-hmm. social media, you can create a strategy that works around your life and for you. But my motto has changed to why not? And I think my sister was really sick. And until you get sick, one of her doctors said, until you get sick, everything else is just a to-do list. And it's so true. Like, go live your life. Go do the thing that makes absolutely no sense to anybody else but you because I think we could have already done it and been back Well. Like, so why not? The house is always going to be there until Carlos starts school. Let's go take advantage of this online business that I spent seven years building, but still run from Perth. Let's go expand it and let's go meet the clients that pay me, pay me to work with me all the way over here in Australia. Let's go actually meet them and, and let's build a community over there. And who knows, maybe we'll never come back. Oh, we have to because of visas and stuff. But yeah. <laughs> why not? I love it. I absolutely love it. Good on you. And you and I were just chatting as we were kind of getting ready to hit record on this chat as well. And I was saying, I feel like for each of us, like we both run online businesses and we're, you know, whether we intended to or not, we're kind of seen as these models or inspos for, you know, what it means to run an online business. And I, how what I think, and, I, and you agreed with me earlier, um, is that it's almost our, I don't want to say our duty or responsibility, but it's our, it's the opportunity we have is to go and, and, ride that flexibility that we've created with these businesses you know I'm here in Bali and I just it was so easy just to be over here and and do my work like from here I've, I've batched into Tuesdays and Thursdays so I've got Tuesdays and Thursdays for the next three weeks working from here but it's it's fine so I think you going to Croatia and doing what you're about to do I feel like you're you're selling you're not selling the dream but you're living the dream in order for other people to believe what they can create with their businesses I think it's so beautiful I think the narrative fits perfectly with what you do and I think that you're also giving everyone's looking for permission to make Mm. that next step and if I can give one person that permission to do the thing that they're scared of and actually it will work out maybe it will change their life like mine was changed when I was given the permission to do what I'm doing so you know, the reason, one of the reasons I love social media is, yes, there's a lot of negativity surrounding it and a lot of comparisonitis and all of that, but there is also a lot of inspiration. Mm. And it's allowed you to connect to people who are doing things that you never ever would have thought were possible without sounding like cheesy and going, well, hang on, if they're doing it, maybe I can do it. And, and seeing the other options that are available and your life doesn't meet, need to be nine to five in an office. Your life really can be whatever you want it to be. Whatever you want you it to be. You just do it. Yeah. I remember for a mentee, I was in a, a one-on-one session, with, in-person session with her and we were talking about, you know, she kind of like built herself into this uh, blocked state where kind of she was doing things because she felt like she should or she could or, you know, she, she should do things. And I got her to write out on a post-it in big, big, big black Sharpie and said, it's yours for the creating. And I said, put that in your notebook. And she, she, she ran with it. And I think it's what you're doing. It's, it's yours for the creating and you're inspiring other people to do the same. I think it's really, really incredible. Well done. Thank you. And like, you've got to use what you've got. You know, I know not everyone has a house on the other side of the world that they can go live in, yeah. but I'm, I'm sure there's something that you have in your life that you could actually be taking more advantage of. And I especially think after the last three years, it's opened 
a lot of people's minds up to alternate ways of working. Yes, yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, even before, like I had a meeting a couple of days ago with my accountant on Zoom. Now, <laughs> he's not one of these like girl boss Instagram accountants. And I think <laughs> previous to COVID, if I had suggested to do something on Zoom, I don't think, I don't think it would have happened. But now people are like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, they're more open to other yeah. options. And obviously there's a lot of heartbreak and devastation that has come with COVID, but I like to look at the positives of life. And mm-hmm. I think that it's also opened the world up to being a lot more flexible yeah. and that's got to be a good thing for the world, yeah. right? Yeah, absolutely agree. And I think it's almost like the language that was coming to mind as you were talking there. It's like COVID forced us, you know, it was horrible and it was a lot more horrible for many people, I mean, particularly being in Bali. Like I just, oh. we have no concept oh, of how easy yeah. the pandemic was, like no fucking idea how easy it was for us. It's, mm. it's actually embarrassing how, how much I moaned about it. And then you realize like, wow, like, wow. Um, but it's that whole idea of, um, sorry, I've taken myself on a total tangent, but it's the, it's, it's, it's the years for the creating. I was totally going somewhere at that point and now I can't remember what I was going to say. Damn. Um, I, yes, I feel like as much as it was unwilling, we've broken the mold for what, what work looks like and what business looks like. That there's no, there was no mold. You know, I, one of our friends, myself and Wade's friends is a solicitor in country New South Wales and his whole team, like he commuted for an hour to work um, in Tamworth. I think his office is main office is in Tamworth. And, you know, when COVID hit and they all had to work, move to remote, like he had to go to Officeworks and like buy stuff for his team to work from home. Like there was no, there was no mold. We had to redesign it. So I think you're right. I think it's, it's working what we've got and it's harnessing that flexibility when when we have got in our businesses. I'm very Mm. excited to follow it. I will be living vicariously through your Euro adventures. (laughs) And this has been such a wonderful chat. Thank you. I've loved it. Is there anything else you feel like you'd like to share? Any kind of key points you feel like we've missed before we wrap up? Look, I think when it comes to Instagram, if I bring it back to Instagram, Mm -hmm. a lot of people forget that the power is in your hands. So if you're being controlled by the platform, turn your notifications off. Mm -hmm. If you can't help but look and you want to have weekends off, Delete the app on a Friday night and re-download it on a Monday morning. I think there's so many areas of life that we let control us without realising actually there are other options and touching on what you said, Lorraine, about, you know, creating a life that you want. It's all these little parts that do end up leading to the overall bigger picture of happiness and being able to be present and we are interrupted multiple times a day, whether it's emails, phone calls, text notifications, um, kids, husbands, whatever yeah. it is, and and touching on what we were saying before about, you know, the ultimate, well, my now ultimate um, definition of success is presence. You still need to make the effort to make that happen mm. in the world we now live in because we're so contactable all the time. Um, and if you just make those, those tiny steps, start with taking emails off your phone, then Mm. start with turning your Instagram notifications off. Or if the idea of turning them off altogether is not possible, you can actually turn them off for an hour and you can turn Mm. them back on again and, and make those little steps because it's all those little steps that are going to end up building and creating this life that you want and maybe loving social media again. I hear it all the time. I hate social media. I feel like it controls my life. Well, no, you let it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's almost like a victim mentality, isn't it? It's moving from that, that kind of re- reacting to actually being proactive and owning it, like you say, taking taking the power back, literally into your hands with your phone. Literally, yeah. yeah. Oh, my love. Thank you so much. This was so fun. And I'll put all the deets for your website and social club community and everything in the the show notes as well. So people know where to find you. So in terms of what people can do to work with you, they can join social club community and you can audit their Instagrams. And obviously you do speaking as well around social media and broader topics as well. Yes. Correct. Amazing. That is correct. Okay. I will direct people to you. Thank you, Lorraine. Thanks, my dear. Everyone who listened. I really appreciate your time. There you have it, the amazing Brooke Villanovic. I hope you enjoyed our chat as much as I enjoyed having the chat. 
If you would like to connect with Brooke, you can visit brookvulanovic.com, which is V-U-L-I-N-O-V-I-C-H, or you can connect with her on Instagram at brookvulanovic. The season is taking a break for the next month while I spend the month of July on a highly overdue visit to my family in Ireland. We are heading back to Ireland um, and then we are having a break in Spain as well in between. So yes, I cannot believe I'm actually going to Europe. It's felt like a a very far distant dream and memory (laughs) over the last few years of COVID crazy. And I'm getting to meet my nephew who I've never met before. I'm getting to see my niece who I haven't seen for three years. And my family is getting to meet Wilder for the first time. So yeah, we are super excited for that trip. And of course, follow along on Insta. I'll be sharing all my all my Euro adventure over there. And I will be back with a new season in August. So until then, take care and feel free to peruse back episodes. And I'm excited to come back to you re-energized, re-euroized and yeah, chat to you in August. Thank you for being part of this week's episode. It was remarkable to have you. I am always keen to hear your thoughts, questions, ideas and suggestions for future topics for the podcast. So please get in touch on Instagram. My handle is at Lorraine Remarks and through my website, LorraineMurphy.com.au. If you're enjoying what I'm putting out here, please do rate, review or subscribe to the podcast so more people can find out about it and we can build this special community or even better, do all three. Chat to you next week.